today at the Chokeslam Wrestling Report, we are going through the AEW Dynamite Review. As last night, the show that is going to lead to Winter is Coming next week was very good. I don't, I didn't see anything that was boring in this show, so I will talk about that, that, and much more in the Chokeslam Wrestling Report. Uh, let's get it! Another episode of the Chokesland Wrestling Report. I am your host, the infamous Ultimate One from New York City. And the Chokesland Wrestling Report is partnered with Fanatics. Fanatics is a website is that sells all the type of jersey shirts, your your one-stop shop for jerseys. And if you guys are into the NFL, you could go and get your favorite NFL. Jersey from fanatics.com and we are partnered with them and I am happy to be partners with fanatics.com of course uh, the Chokes Night Wrestling Report is part of the Unhinged Sports Network and of course the network has not just my podcast it has Far Off the Bench, Gridiron Gallery, the John Tate Show the Air, uh, is it the Air Podcast um, I can't remember but there's a bunch of, uh, of podcasters that got together and com- um, created this Unhinged Sports Network to bring all types of fans. So check them out. Check me out. Check the rest of the guys out. Um, and, of course, the Unhinged Sports Network is a proud partner of Fanatics. Again, if you want, guys want to know about Fanatics, go to www.fanatics.com and get your gears, guys. It's football season. And today could be a perfect day for you to get your your uh, jersey. Also, my boy Danny Limelight, um, he is selling his merchandise on Pro Wrestling Tees. That's Pro Wrestling Tees slash Danny Limelight. So get your shirt for Black Friday. So don't miss out on all that. So um, so let's get to the AEW review show. I usually don't do this to do the sponsorship. I wanted to get it out the way first. Because, you know, um, you know, I want to help my partners, my, 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 my family from the Unhitched Sports Network, and my boy Danny Limelight, who's making a lot of noise. And I keep telling you guys that in 2021, this guy's going to be making so much noise, he's going to end up signing with a big company. So, if it, whether it's New Japan Pro Wrestling, AEW, WWE, whichever, I prefer for him to either go to AEW or New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm going to keep it real because if he goes to WWE... God knows what they're going to do to him there. So, anyway, so let's jump on here for the AEW review that happened last night. And the show started off with Hangman Page and John Silver. Now, a lot of people may be saying, why this match? If you guys follow BTE, um, you saw that in one episode, a couple of episodes ago, you saw the the Dark Order, I believe was the... Was it the Christmas episode? I'm uh, not the Christmas episode. I'm sorry. The Halloween episode. It was one of those where Hangman Page entered the room and started saying, um, F Hangman Page, F Hangman Page. They all started um, pretty much um, chanting that. So this match was set up. And John Silver, for, the, for as small as he is, um, he shows that he has a lot of wrestling ability for a little guy. The guy's got to be like about. I mean, he looks small on TV, but I've seen him live. He doesn't look that small. He's jacked up. But for what he does, his wrestling ability, he for his shortening, he makes up in wrestling ability. That's what I'm trying to say. But his comedy causes him a lot of his matches. And he started off doing comedy and, you know, with Hangman in the beginning of the match. And Hangman hit him with chops. He just started whipping him with chops, which is, I mean, tattooing him with chops. And, you know... But then, you know, John Silver starts making his little comeback. And then, you know, um, during Hangman's offense, um, John Silver ended up slapping Page's butt. And that kind of surprised uh, Adam Page. He was like, what the hell are you doing, whatever. But then Silver 
then started taking over. He kind of, I guess, he messed his whole head up when it comes to that. And he took over and we're giving him some, I'm talking about some vicious kick to the sternum of Hangman Page. When you saw Hangman Page just getting tattooed. I'm talking about, I'm sure he wakes up to tomorrow or today actually. And he has black and blues all over his, um, his um, chest. Page was having problems with Silver. That's the thing that really, really caught me off guard. And like Page has had a big size advantage over him. I think it was the, but power in the power department. You could see that uh, John Silver was going toe to toe with him in that one because, uh, you know, he was just having problems. But Page went for his buckshot lariat, and then Silver countered that move with a Hurricanrana pin, which surprised me. It caught me off guard. Uh, and then he followed that up with a brain buster that nearly pinned Page. But then Page hit Silver with the Liger Bomb. And then Page hit the Buckshot Larius for the win. Overall, this match, uh, John Silver, uh, he did a great showing. It shows you that he could get in the ring with anybody. Yeah, he may not have a lot of wins. But you know what? The guy is very, he's getting very popular. I mean, not only on BTE, but he's getting very popular. Uh, in as far as them putting him to wrestle a lot in Dynamite. I mean, he's, the only problem he, I think his disadvantage is his uh, his shortness. He's short, but he can still give you a, a damn belly to belly suplex, um, back body suplex. So this guy could do it. Dark Order came out, which was kind of surprising. Well, not surprising because, like I said, I saw on BT where they're all chanting F Hangman Page, F Hangman, F Hangman. The Dark Order came out and pretty much just saying, look, we know you had had problems. You're trying to get away from the elite. He didn't mention the elite, but he said from the group. But the key, you keep coming back to them. So Dark Order offered him a spot in the Dark Order. Will we, will we see him um, join the Dark Order? I don't think he will. But what I could see happening is um, the exalted one, uh, Brody Lee, May come back when either uh, maybe Hangman Page will try to make a mockery out of the group and him and Page will end up feuding um, in the future. Kenny Omega had a promo, which he pretty much was making fun of, you know, uh, uh, of John Moxley for getting attacked. And, and he even went as far as to say that, you know, that, Things stays the same no matter what because, you know, even though Moxley beat um, Omega in a non-sanction match last year this time, that at the end of the day, you know, um, things still is the same. Everybody's still talking about Kenny Omega even though John Moxley is now the number one wrestler in the world. Omega is still the man. So he pretty much saying that the cleaner is coming back the way he used to wrestle back in Japan. And he said something about Moxley's father. Uh, and he said, maybe my father could slap around your father. So that pretty much was setting up what was going to happen during the night. The signing of the contract that didn't happen last week because Moxley got jumped in the back. Now, there was a lot of, there was a rumor going around that Handman Page may may have been behind that because somebody said they saw a tarot card. Now, I saw the... The damn video again. I ain't seen no damn tarot card. And they say the way his legs were uh, crossed. I don't know. Maybe because that's the way they hang people up. I don't know. I cannot. I don't know what that meant. But uh, it was a pretty good thing to be ready for from the arena night to see what happens in that, um, you know, in the signing. Darby Allen came out and used... Uh, uh, Taz Cole survive if I let you and they show him burning the car uh, this guy's always doing some crazy stuff and pretty much um, but I like his promos his promos are eerie uh, that's that crazy guy who's willing to do anything and don't care if he gotta go through pain so he pretty much doesn't care what happens so that pretty much is uh, what we saw he saw him burning the car that had the painting of his face saying the face of TNT. So I guess he burned the car. So that that is that car is done. So the next match was Powerhouse Hobbs versus Lee Johnson. Very interesting situation that happened in this match. Not the match itself, but what happened afterward. Lee Johnson 
who is now part of the Nightmare family. Now, when I saw this, I said, wow, power, powerhouse Hobbs, because now it's not Will Hobbs. It's powerhouse of Hobbs versus Lee Johnson. I said to myself, wow, this is a pretty much uh, a message to the Nightmare family of how, you know, um, to be aware that the Taz, Team Taz is ready to have a feud with the Nightmare family. So Lee Johnson became a victim, you know, um, and pretty much was getting destroyed by Powerhouse Hobbs. And pretty much Hobbs looked impressive. He did a power slam that to me, I was like, wow, he's wrestling very differently compared to when he wrestled Brian Cage, where you saw a lot of his, he botched a couple of uh, moves, he showed his greenness. This one, he didn't. So, if you think about it, now he's part of Team Taz. You got, he's part of Ricky Starks and Brian Cage's team, along with Taz. You don't think that these guys were working with him and saying, look, you should do this, you should do that, because he looked clean. He looked like he never had any issues with, uh, how you call it, the uh, with his wrestling ability. You know, they didn't show no greenness. He didn't show anything that says, oh, he's a rookie. And what's funny is his ring attire was different. He had the orange and black uh, uh, wrestling gear, just like Taz used to do back in the days. And now here he is looking terrific. I mean, it was incredible seeing him. But then it's, it's what happened after the match. Uh, Taz took the mic, and he pretty much said something about the, uh, the powers that be and the FTW title. The F the world title. Now, I've been saying this for weeks, that they brought in that title in July, and that belt has not been given no meaning at all. No meaning. Uh, you got Brian Cage walking around with that belt wrapped around his waist, but there's no notoriety on it, and there's no recognition. So Taz's beef during this promo was the respect that the FTW belt should have. And apparently... That is not the case. Uh, Cody Rose made a comment on tweet about the belt. And this is what set off what happened last night. So um, he's talking on the mic and talking about Tony Khan and everybody in the back. His mic gets turned off. Then he grabs the next mic, which he told Justin Roberts to give. He goes off again and his mic gets turned off for the second time. So now we're having a problem because now you have this man trying to, you know, talk about his grievance about the belt and his mic keep getting turned off. Then now something comes. Here comes Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes has a mic. He starts telling him, look, you know, with all due respect, I'm coming in with all respect, uh, you know, and we could all leave this out next week between your new guy, Powerhouse Hobbs, and, and, and Ricky Stark against me and Darby Allen. We could do this next week, but you're wasting time. So Taz pretty much told him what, it wasn't about that match. It was about the fact that the belt is not being recognized in AEW. So he was throwing his grievance, and at one point he said he was tired of this shit. I don't blame him because this is the same thing I've been saying. He brought out the title. In July, I figured, well, that's going to be a belt. That's a third belt for people to go after. But the belt hasn't been done nothing. I think it's been defended once, maybe. And he did it. You know, he was trying to throw his grievance. But here's the bad part. Because when Cody came and said, well, I will digest it. I will put it in. The, I will uh, put it up in the, in the flagpole. Pretty much saying that, eh, he'll put it up there. He may not even... Even think about it, but they'll come, they'll get to it when they get to it. So I love this part because it was pretty much, it was a shot at WWE. Uh, I mean, even though I, I said it before, I'm not too happy when they do that, when they don't, um, when they try to take shots at WWE. But this part, he when he said, I'll run up a flagpole, uh, Taz said, oh, so what are you going to tell me next? Uh, best of luck on my future endeavors. You don't have nothing cre created for me. So there, right there, was a shot at WWE, and then um, so I love that part that they took a shot at WWE because I guess that's what they tell them behind the scenes. Then John, uh, Cody came back in, and Cody said, "Well, if it's so much about the FTW or whatever, 
and your son wants to be a pro wrestler, why is it that you're not training him and I am? That, I saw that. That was an a-hole comment that Cody did, but it was beautiful, beautiful uh, scripted. And Taz threw the mic down and told him he's pathetic, uh, that he shouldn't, you know, he crossed the line. And Taz, left, Taz walked away. But then you see Cody still acting like an a-hole telling uh, production, okay, cut, cut, go to the commercial, whatever. And Taz was not having it. Taz went and ended up putting the Taz mission on Cody that the gun, um, the gun club, whatever they call, and the rest of the Nightmare family came out to help Cody because he was going to get choked out. And as Taz was leaving, you saw Taz's son carrying the FTW belt. So that alone right there shows me that this is going to be bigger and better. It's going to be a bigger storyline. I love what they're doing. So um, this is going to be a good feud. I mean, this is going to be a good setup for probably – for revolution and I told um in February next year. So uh, because they don't have no more uh they don't have no more of uh how you say that no more pay per views for the rest of the year. But the the way they did this it was beautiful. Uh right there I was like very invested. I cannot wait what's gonna happen. Next week's gonna be interesting because next week is again Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks against Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes. So well guys stick around because I'll have more after this. Hey, what's going on? It's your boy, Jada Red Sante, host of Turnbuckle Tabloid, and you're listening to the Choke Slam Wrestling Report. And we're back. So, we're going to go to the Eddie Kingston promo. And Eddie Kingston was in a, uh, in a promo talking about what Penta did last week as he joined his fellow group member from the Death Triangle, Phoenix and Pac. To help them after Butch and Blade and Eddie Kingston jumped Pac last week. And out of nowhere, John Moxley, the AEW World Champion, popped out. And as he popped out, he looked straight into Eddie Kingston's eye. And Eddie Kingston said, it wasn't him who jumped him last week. Which I believe him because, you know, these guys were feuding a couple of weeks ago. Um, they had two world title matches where one of them was I quit. When Moxley made Eddie Kingston quit. So... That alone right there was just giving you a, a, a picture of what was going to happen during the night with this contract signing and whatnot. So it was getting interesting as the night progressed. The next match was Type Flight versus TH2. Top Flight last week wrestled a young bug, and this tag team is just two young men, one 20, the other one 19, Damian and Darius. Uh, they gave the Young Bucks a run for their money, and that goes to show you they give a run to the money to the World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks. They could give anybody a run for their money. So, TH2 um, was the next opponent. Now, mind you, TH, the reason this match was set up was because after the Young Bucks beat the top flight, TH2 jumped over the barricade and jumped top flight for no apparent reason, and they jumped them. Top flight got even on Tuesday night in AEW Dark when they went and jumped. TH2 and this set up a match last night. Uh, top flight, of course, started with the high flying and quickness, but TH2 took control with quick tags. Uh, Darius got the high tag, hits Evan with a middle drop kick, a missile drop kick actually. Uh, he hit a slingshot and a top turn with a splash for a two count against uh, Jack Evans. Both teams pushing each other to the limit. Helico then caught Dante with. Well, it looked like a leg submission. Now, Helico is a, is a submission expert. He hit um, um, Dante with the leg rope submission for the win. And it was a brutal leg. It was a, a lock. i never seen it. It looked like an Indian death lock. But it was more towards his knees. And they made um, Dante submit. Afterwards, after the match, uh, the TA suits continued to beat on uh, top flight. And the Young Bucks had to come out and help them. Uh, again, top flight, a new tag team on the scene, which, I mean, I could compare them with Private Party. Here's the difference between Private Party and Top Flight. Top Flight look like they're very, very hungry. Private Party, when they first came to AEW, mind you that I followed them from House of Glory here in New York, um, independent scene. Uh, they look hungry. They look like they were, they had it all. And in August of last year, they signed with AEW. 
And they were the team that in the AEW Tag Team Tournament surprised everybody when they beat the Young Bucks. They were ranked number eight. The Young Bucks were ranked number one. And they knocked the number one seeds out of the tournament. But as of late, for a year later, if you look at Private Party, Private Party has become, I don't know what it is. They become a little lazy, little they back, they lay too laid back. Um, they, the uh, wrestling skills are not Chris. I mean, by now you should have had all your wrestling skills, um, Chris. They should have some type of, um, you know, pinpoint accuracy, and they don't. They don't. And Top Flight reminds me of Private Party when they first came in. Even though Pri- Top Flight is a uh, way better than, than Private Party. That's just my opinion, but. You know, that's who Top Flight reminds me of. So if they could continue, even though they lost this match, if they could continue to show that type of tenacity and and, and, and skills, they could be big in AEW. And AEW got the best tag teams in the world, and I don't care what anybody says because, I mean, you got all of them. The only thing is some of them are being being unutilized, again, like Santana and Ortiz. Um, who else been underutilized? Uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus underutilized. And, you know, private party, I mean, they could be going somewhere, but it looks like they too happy just being AEW, getting a paycheck. Uh, that's my, what I'm seeing. So, Vicky Guerrero had a promo, which is surprising, and she talked about uh, what happened to Brandy Rose last week when uh, uh, their girl, Jay Carhill, attacked Brandy and pretty much stomped on Brandy's arm with the chair. Pretty much shows you that, um, how you call it, that Brandy, they plan to do a par- uh, story about Brandy, about her being the leader of the women's division or whatever. And it looks like uh, Vicky Guerrero is saying, look, if you need help, you could call me, you know. And, you know, of course, Vicky Guerrero is the manager of Nyla Rose. So that is something to watch. FTR cut a promo, and it's been, it's been over, what, since... Wow, it's been almost a, a month probably, a month and a half that they when they lost those tag team belts, and they did a promo where they say that for three seconds, the Yumbos were way better than them. The three seconds cost the FTR the tag team championship, so they're pretty much setting their sights to go after the Yumbos. I think when they wrestle the Yumbos again, they'll take the belts because remember that Matt Jackson's wrestling with an injury, so if they could just have another uh, match, a rematch, where the FTR could uh, focus on Matt's leg and just do some RN Satuli Blanchard style of wrestling and just focus on that in the match. And, and you know, the story will be that the FTR took Matt Jackson out and they get regained the belts. And there's a lot of tag teams that they could go out there. It's got a Lucha Bros tag team match, which will be great. I think they wrestled before, but... When you put the AEW titles on the line, it makes it that most special. So that was, um, that's what we could be looking forward to now coming up. The next match was SCU versus Jake Hager and Jericho, Chris Jericho. Um, This match was a match that I could say have really no meaning, but it looks like, um, I mean, the whole inner circle came out. It's not, you got seven guys in there now, and you had Santana Ortiz, Sammy Guevara, all outside in the ring, including MJF with, uh, with uh, what's his name, Warlow. So they play a part in this match, and you can see Jake Hager and Jericho pretty much dominating the match. Kaz show. That he is no joke. This guy is like probably in his 40. He still take it, could take a beating, could give a beating. Uh, Christopher Daniel, 50 plus years, still has the best moonsault ever. And these guys, um, they took control of the match of Hager and Jericho. Then Daniels comes in and he takes control of Hager, which that was surprising. You have a little guy taking over Hager. But, uh, but interfering from Santana, and that's what changed everything. So then now all of a sudden... Uh, at one point, they jumped Christopher Daniels outside. All of them started stomping on him. Then um, um, I remember seeing that at one point, they tried to do the same thing to Cass. Cass was able to avert all of them and go back into the ring uh, and do what he's, you know, what, they, what they're doing. Uh, again, Christopher Daniels hit a beautiful 
moonsault ever. I said the best moonsault of on Hager. Out of all people, he did that beautiful. Well, for God, 52 years old. But MJF got involved. He hit Christopher Daniel with his AEW ring. Then uh, Jericho hits him with the Judas effect. And then Hager pins him. After that, Cass goes up to MJF and punches him right in the mouth. They all jump him. And then Scorpius Kai comes from the back with a chair, clears out the ring. Now, I think a year ago, SCU was, I think, with the, yeah, they were the tag team champions at that time. It was Kazarian and Scorpio. And at that time, a year ago, it was Scorpius Kai against, um, Scorpius Kai against Chris Jericho, which was a beautiful match for the AEW world title at that time. Scorpio Sky showed what he was made of. He almost came close to pinning, um, what's his name? Chris Jericho. And that made a name for himself. So now you're going to bring Kaz into the mix. It looks like Kaz is going to be wrestling singles. He could be going after the uh, the TNT title, which would not be bad because um, you need competitors for that. Again, FTW title may be legitimized from here for a couple of weeks from now. So you never know. Um, so, we will see, you know, because it's, it's, the cast can still wrestle, and, you know, he could still bring it. And, you know, he's playing that role in BTE as a guy who has anger management. So, they could play a role on that, change his gimmick a little bit. So, we'll see. Then they had a promo with Miro and Kip Sabian. I, I don't like what they're doing with Miro, to be honest. Miro should be in that ring killing people. And doing what he was doing in WWE. It came, him and Kip Sabian, that, that does not match up at all. It's still th- talking about, I understand that Miro is a gamer. But uh, I don't think they should be doing it. But in this promo, they're all trying to introduce a new, I guess, say segment or something of them about video games. All of a sudden, Orish Cassie comes into the trailer. Goes and turns off the monitor. Goes, goes out. Miro said, my wife bought me that. They go outside and they get jumped by best friend. So it looks like next week you'll have best friend against Miro and Kip Sabian. Uh, so that's like a setup to that. So we'll see about that. Then they had the contract signing. Part two, should I call it. Omega came out with his regular introduction. The girls with the broomsticks. And out of nowhere, where Omega's shadow was from the entryway, you see somebody jumping Omega from behind. And from behind, it was John Moxley. Moxley ended up jumping Omega. They go at it in the ring. He throws him in the ring. Moxley hits Omega with the paradigm shift on top of the AEW world title belt. And, his, and his, uh, took out Omega. He talks about, if you're coming at the king, you better not miss. And that's something I usually say. Because if you're coming after somebody, you better make sure they don't get up. And the funny thing is that he said... You set this up. He thinks he got set up. and But then again, he got set up for what? Because if he got set up, uh, probably was probably to, to, to tender him up, uh, make him a little weaker for Omega. But this is a great story. That's another great story. Because like, now who, who was the one who jumped Moxley? People were talking about Kenta. Kenta's in Japan. Kenta's not going to travel from Japan to the United States because they can't do that. Even though Kenta's due for United States IWGP, uh, let's do try this again. The United States IWGP title match with the briefcase he's carrying in New Japan. So, you know, it's interesting. It's very, very interesting. Who jumped John Moxley? That's 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 the question. So if Moxley loses the belt, everybody's gonna be like, "Well, whoever jumped him did a good work." But is that person gonna show up? Next week, we'll find out. Cause next week is when winter is coming. I'm looking forward for this match. It's not a sanctioned match. It's a one-on-one match. Two of the best wrestlers in the world going at it next week. So you can't miss this. You cannot miss this at all. So you know, I love what the what he said. If you come at the king, you best not miss. And pretty much make a mist. So now he got his hands full with Moxley and Moxley. He is a rough and tumble type of wrestler. He's not going to give you a five-star match. He's going to give you whatever it takes for him to hold that belt. Um, the inner circle where um, pretty much 
interview, MJF was pissed off. He said one man punches another man in the mouth, a sucker punches him. Jericho then says that he wants Cass next week. Uh, so like I said earlier, Cass and Jericho will go at it, which uh, pretty much I'm sure J uh, Jericho is going to push Cass to the limit. So this is going to be a very interesting match. Two veterans going at it, and Cass is going to show you that he still has it. And this guy, you know, that's the best part of AEW. The AEW women's title match was next, and the AEW women's title match was the challenger Anna Jay versus Hiroki Shida. This match, you saw Anna Jay working on Hiroki Shida's uh, leg. But before that, uh, Anna Jay came out with uh, Taya uh, Conti, or they've been best of friends, supposedly. Then the Dark Order came out. Uh, you have 10, 5, uh, Evil Uno. Um, was it Evil Uno out there? I think he was out there. I know John Silver was out there. So these guys were out there, uh, Alex Reynolds. So they were out there in support of Anna Jay. During the match, uh, you know, Anna Jay, Anna Jay was taking control of the match because she was mm -hmm. working on Cheetah's leg for most of the match. Uh, the Dark Order guys, again, what I said was the entryway. At one point, Anita, uh, Anna wanted the chair from Talia Conti. Talia Conti kind of hesitated to give her the chair from outside. So the referee sees that. All of a sudden, uh, while the referee is distracted, John Silver goes and gives uh, Anna Jay the candlestick that um, Sheeta carries into the ring, hits Sheeta right on the knee where Anna Jay was working on during the match. And she tries to, uh, you know, you know, um, you know, uh, tried to pin her afterwards as she was working on the knee. Um, so uh, Sheeta then went and hit a straight jacket suplex and a Tamahashi knee to beat Anna Jay. Uh, even though she was beat up, whatever, um, you could tell that she still has it. I, I got I to give Sheeta all the props. Sheeta is a tough competitor. Um, she overcame this. But while going back to the locker room, Abaddon shows up. Now, Abaddon's a girl that if you see, she looks like some chick from a creepy movie. But she could wrestle. So now a lot of people are like, oh, what the hell is Abaddon doing there? She ain't the number one. Abaddon has been winning matches in dark. She may not be in AEW Dynamite, but wins count in AEW. That's the problem with a lot of people that don't understand that, um, you know, wins count. Wins count. So, you know, so you can't you can't sleep on that. Then, then we had a Matt Hardy promo bragging again uh, about his success. Uh, this is back from uh, BTE. Looks like Matt Hardy is the one that's going to be type of guy who's going to say, oh, I've been in the business so much. This happened because of my ideas. So I don't know where they're going with his character, but we'll see about that. Uh, Team Taz pretty much came out the day promo, talk about that Taz left with his son, uh, that Cody disrespected and crossed the line with Taz. So that's a, right now, that was a, uh, I guess, a promotion for the match for next week. Then we have the Butcher and the Blade against Pac and Ray Phoenix. This is in continuation from last week. What happened when they jumped Pac and Penta, who was supposedly best friends with Eddie Kingston, turned on Eddie Kingston to help his brother and Pac and the uh, Triangle of Death were together again. Uh, Eddie Kingston hit the commentator table. Of course, when he's there, he, I love when he's on the on the mic. Uh, Penta comes out with Phoenix and Pac. Uh, both teams come out brawling. Moon Souls outside by Phoenix and Park. Butcher, he did a, a flying body press, a close body press on Park to take control of the match. Pack and Phoenix then take control of Blade, exchange blows between Blade and Park again. Uh, Petsa gets involved by attacking Blade outside the ring. Park hits an insecurity with a Northern Light Suplex for a two count on Blade. Butcher almost beheaded Park for a two count. He hit him with a crazy clothesline. Then Eddie interfered when um, Phoenix was trying to jump from the top row. Eddie came out of the damn uh, commentator and pushed uh, Phoenix off the road. He landed growing first to the top turbuckle. Uh, then um, while that was happening, Butcher attacked Penta on the other side. And then Butcher and Blade hit their finishing move and they end up winning the match. But then they continued to attack Death Triangle. Eddie hit two DDTs on Pac on the chair. 
And then out of nowhere, Lance Archer pops out. Lance Archer pops out. He takes out all the members from Blade and, uh, Butcher and Blade and Eddie Kingston. Uh, this was already said uh, when supposedly Lance Archer has been watching Eddie Kingston for the last couple of weeks. Uh, Eddie Kingston has been saying that he never got eliminated from that battle because he no battle royal at all, uh, all out. And Lance Archer has not been saying nothing. Lance Archer, even in the Chris Van Fleet, he says that he was had unfinished business with Eddie Kingston. So now it looks like this is what's going to happen. Now Lance Archer is involved in this whole thing. Um, I'm sure Eddie Kingston is going to come up with a fourth member. Uh, I'm waiting to see who that's going to be. But it looks loud that Lance Archer will be feuding with Eddie Kingston. That's going to be a crazy, two crazy-ass wrestlers going at it and wrestling a match so that's something to look forward to overall the show was pretty good um it pretty much was a setup for next week's show winter is coming um i cannot wait i mean this is this is something so so different from apples and pears when it comes to aew and wwe uh, and wwe this week the survivor series was pretty good on sunday but then they ruined it with the raw show it was not great at all um, there was a lot of stupid stories that got involved there. I, I don't understand it, but you could tell you this is why I watch AEW. Because AEW, at least some of the story is logic. Sometimes they drive me crazy because they they drag the stories. But I'd rather have them drag the stories than just do a story and then you never hear from it again with, and it leaves no logic. So we'll be right back after this with more wrestling news and rumors. And since we're already on the subject of AEW, Chris Van Fleet had an interview with no other than Ricky Starks. Now, you guys know that Ricky Stark was not part of Team Taz. Signed with AEW through over the summer. I don't know exactly what month it was, but I know he made his debut against Cody. And he was the former NWA TV champion at that time. He had just left NWA to join to join the independent scene and AEW asked him to come in for a match with Cody. Even though he did not win the match, he had a good showing with Cody. Therefore, um, AEW decided, well, you know what? This guy did a good show and Tony Khan said, let's sign him. He said on Chris Van Fleet um, podcast that the day of his debut, WWE contacted him. Typical WWE. WWE didn't want him to join AEW. They probably would have asked him to come in. And then they'll put him in NXT and he'll rot in NXT. Or he'll do good in NXT. But then they bring him up in the to the main roster and he'll be a dead duck. See, you go to NXT and you will thrive at NXT. Because Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and Steven Regal will make sure that you'll have a name and variety in there. But once you come to the main, to the main roster... That's when careers die. You don't believe me? Ask Alistair Black. Right now, Alistair Black is, don't, they don't even know what they're going to do with him. They say that McMahon and Bruce don't have anything for him. They don't care for him. So, you think you want Ricky Starks, that he got all the talent in the world, get buried in WWE? He's, he wasn't stupid. He was not stupid. He made a great move and a great thing to do because... It's a it's, it's typical WWE stuff. WWE don't they have the grip look, let me put it this way. WWE has a lot of great talent. And it's not like they don't have, you know, television time to put these guys. They got almost overall, with NXT included, seven hours worth of wrestling. And you can't tell me you can't put all these wrestlers on TV during the week, you know? It's just embarrassing. I mean, you, if you could take a look at the Survivor Series, how Vince McMahon looked on the Undertaker's farewell stuff. He looked frail. He looks tired. He looks like he's stressed. He looks, he's getting old. And you know what I'm saying? The older you get, the more senile you get. That's makes McMahon right there. How you not like a guy like Alistair Black? Alistair Black, a former NXT champion. Not only that, not only you shit on him, but you fired his wife. You escorted her out of the building. What does that tell you? You know what I'm saying? That tells you that they don't care about their, how you call it, they, um, they're wrestlers. 
But then you're trying to call Russ's independent. Oh, come join us. Ben Carter's going to find out. Ben Carter went and signed with WWE, but I think he's in the NXT UK. But you come to the main roster, you're you're dead. You're dead on arrival. Put it that way. Ask Ricochet. Ask that War Machines. Who else is there? Cedric Alexander. Cedric Alexander's getting the push now because he's part of the Hurt Business. Ask Apollo. You know what I'm saying? And now Alistair Black. They're not doing nothing. Humberto Carrillo, he's a joke. I mean, they were trying to put him to be the next great Phoenix. Nah, don't think so. He's he's a loser. And let me put it this way. It's not fair to the wrestlers, and I'm going to correct myself to call them losers, because it's not their fault. This is the thing they're giving. You got... Uh, you got writers, like 30 or 40 writers, giving, you know, scripts that are stupid, don't sound right, sounds immature, sounds like little kids. And you put these wrestlers in situations that guys like myself, who know the wrestling business in and out, uh, I mean, I've been watching wrestling for 45 years. And when you see guys doing promos, you'd be like, what in the world did he just say? Because, let me tell you, I love promo guys. You know, Eddie Kingston, great promo guy. Eddie um, Taz, good promo guy. Dustin Ro- Dusty Rhodes, great promo guy. Ric Flair, great. Even Triple H, great. You don't see that no more. The Rock, great promos. But you got guys now who they do the promo and it's scripted by a writer who may not know nothing about wrestling, who's a, a soap opera guy. You know, he's like, oh, let me, uh, you know, let me write this down and say this. And, and, and it's, it's, it's a pity. I mean, if you look at the, you know, the promos on Monday where Team Raw was out there and Matt Riddle called Sheamus for Fireface, who says that? And then Keith Lee forgot what they happened to Keith. Keith Lee sounds like a professor in a university. I mean, even my, my, my friend Mike and whatnot, he came out of his room when he heard Keith Lee. And he was like, who's that, Keith Lee talking? Because he, they had this, they had messed up Keith Lee. And then supposedly he into, uh, he debuted his his theme song on Survivor Series or Monday Night Raw, one of those. And you can't hardly hear it. It was horrible. So, you know, it's just, it's just embarrassing, I think, what he's been doing to all these wrestlers. And then you trying to call other wrestlers like Ricky Stark, hey, why don't you sign with us? No. Ricky Stark is fine where he's at. And there's nothing you guys can do. You know what I'm saying? Just ridiculous when it comes to stuff like this. These guys want to um, just to want to make wrestlers look stupid. Like, they just want to control the whole wrestling industry. You can't control the wrestling industry anymore. WWE, the Monopoly takeover is over. I was back in 2000 or 2012. When CM Punk did the pipe bomb, wrestling changed. When Bullet Club popped out the following year, the wrestling changed. When um, AJ hit Japan, the wrestling changed. So those are the three main things that changed wrestling for what it is today. And now we have AEW. New Japan Pro Wrestling is doing their thing and whatnot. And it's going to get better. Ring of Honor is coming back. MLW is back. The only one waiting right now is the NWE and whatnot. Impact right now. Um, is trying to do things and they might be doing some business relationship with AEW. That is not good for WWE. And they're talking about now they're going to move the Thunderdome to, to, to the Tampa Bay Devil Ray Stadium for probably three or four months. Now what? This is ridiculous. It's getting ridiculous with WWE and then they need to share. So let's Vince McMahon is still there. This is not going to get any better. Let me tell you that much. Now that we're talking about that, let's talk about The Undertaker's farewell. The Godfather says that The Undertaker's farewell was boring. And I kind of agree with him because why WWE cannot wait till we had fans return and whatnot and do a correct farewell? We're talking about a guy who... Gave his body off for 30 plus years in the business. Probably, yeah, 30 plus years because he came in 1990. The guy who, you could say single-handedly, 
saved WWE back in 1996 along with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, had great matches with Mick Foley that Hell in the Cell in 98. Brock Lesnar's feud, uh, the uh, Austin feud. Uh, Kane, I mean, if it wasn't for Undertaker, Kane would have never been in the picture because Kane was a dentist at that time. Isaac Yankum, any y'all guys remember him? Kane became a, a legend because The Undertaker was in the picture, okay? Now, a lot of people are talking about that this was great, it was it was cool. No, it wasn't. It was it was blue, it was ghoulish, yes, but it was not the same. Undertaker kept looking around, they kept putting the pipe crowd, a cheap Undertaker chant going on, which was very cheap. It, 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 it looked like WWE did not... Just want to get rid of this. My question is, why? We all know this is not his farewell. We know that. If McMahon says, Undertaker, I need you for WrestleMania, he's going to come back. And he might, be, he might be getting ready now. You know? So, this thing of them, I mean, you had all these, they had all these wrestlers, former wrestlers, who feuded with, Undertaker. They had Kevin Nash, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Rikishi, uh, Mick Foley, uh, Henry and the Godwins. I don't know it was Henry, the Africa, the other guy. Uh, Midian or Gideon, whatever his name is. The Godwins were there. Kane. Um, so you had a bunch of guys showed up. You know, including Shane McMahon. The crazy part that people were talking also that I read on the. Uh, on the on Twitter was that Kane was Kane and the Godwins were dressed in costumes in their regular gears while everybody else was dressed down and people were like it's kind of funny why is um, Kane dressed up and then somebody gave him the memo um, Kane is now the mayor of his town and it's not a good look he's a public figure now so you know it's crazy but you know they could have waited they could have waited to give the Undertaker a proper farewell. Madison Square Garden would have been the perfect spot. You know what I'm saying? Madison Square Garden, they would have done something beautiful. They could have done it at the Staples Center. They could have done it in Chicago. They could have done it down in, um, how you call it, in Florida. You know, in Texas, Dallas Stadium. They could have done something big for him. But no, they it's like they, they're trying to do things just to get it out of the way. This is the same thing they do. When it comes to pay-per-views matches, like a Keith Lee versus Randy Orton the first time, that was a pay-per-view match, you know. Um, but no, they gave it to you one week, then they gave it the following week, they, and then it just became stale. Now it's no longer a WrestleMania worthy or pay-per-view worthy, because that's what WWE does. It bring you something, and it's done within two or three weeks, and then they killed it. Right now, Keith Lee is one guy that has not won cleanly. Since he beat Randy Orton. So he's been there for two, three months and he only won one clean fight. Because WWE just wanted to get rid of it. This is the same thing, the same style they did to The Undertaker. I mean, I'm sure Undertaker's not crying because this guy, first of all, he had a $3 million contract per year, whatever it was. Then he made more millions of dollars when it came to the cameo that he did for people during this last weekend. $1,000 for cameo. Which I went and said, why is he giving that opportunity? But then the other wrestler in the roster are, uh, how you call it? So no. Somebody said, somebody hit me up on social media and said, oh, but that's The Undertaker. No, who's who's going to be stupid enough to tell him no? Vince McMahon, he's the boss. You have a, you got to be an example. Just because he's The Undertaker doesn't mean that gives you that you above the, you might as well just give him the freaking company. I understand he has seniority and he's one of the guys, but that's kind of messed up if you let The Undertaker have a cameo, $1,000 a cameo, but then the rest of your roster who had channels, uh, Twitch, YouTube, all that, and you tell them to shut it down. That cost somebody's job, and that was Selena, Selena Vega. So, it's, it's, they contradict themselves. They pretty much... Oh, you could do this because we're cool, but y'all can't do that because I don't like you or you're making too much money, more than your contract. Because that's what they do. And it's, it's sad. It's very, 
very sad. So the Godfather pretty much said yes that it was boring. He agrees with the fan because fans were saying, "Oh, the the thing was boring and they could have done something better." But he said that they had a lot of fun the night off. So, you know, that goes to show you that even a whole of him like the Godfather says it was kind of boring, and it was boring. It wasn't the same. It was a cheap farewell. It could have been better with fans. So, you know, you, you can't, you know, you can't fault people for saying what they want to say. So, anyway, guys, this is the end of the show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, guys, the Chokeslam Wrestling Report. Partner with Fanatics. So, you guys, your one-stop shop for jerseys. Again, check out fanatics.com. So, you can get your jersey. Now, this football season is around. And check it out. So, also, the Chokeslam Wrestling Report could be heard at Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, um, and any other audio major podcast that you guys like to listen to your shows. Tell a friend. Uh, share it. Also, um, um, I have a YouTube channel. So, you got the same name, the Chokeslam Wrestling Report. Got tons of videos there. About 70 or 80 uploads there from since last year. Every week, I put something up there just for the entertainment of my fans and for people who have... Subscribe. I want to thank all the subscribers for that channel. If you guys want more information, once you go to the YouTube channel, you could check on top. You see the links. You got the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Anchor, um, Twitch. I'm also on Twitch. Twitch, the Chokeslam WR. That's the channel's name, the Chokeslam WR on Twitch. So I'm everywhere. So you guys. Be ready because this is going to be big things coming for the Chokeslam Wrestling Report. I already made up shirts, so that's going to be online once my website goes up. And that'll probably be sometime beginning of next year. Uh, big ups to R32.store owner Vernick Alvarez, who made a new logo for my podcast. I want to thank him. He is also the guy who is doing, who did the creation for my shirts. So, you know, big ups to him. Without him. Nothing gets done. So, you know, it's always good to network with other people and, you know, follow him again, www.r32.store, www.r32.store. Also, guys, don't forget the network, unhingedsn.com. That's the unhingedsportsnetwork.com. Check out the website. You get to see all other podcasts besides mine. Click into it. You can see all the archives of all the podcasts in the Unhinged Sports Network channel. Also, Monday and Fridays, I have a show from 12 to 1 on unhingedsn.airtime.pro. So check it out, guys. So I will be putting that up on Twitter. Check me out on Twitter. Also, the ultimate underscore one and the number one. So all the information is there. Just go to my YouTube channel and you'll see. Go straight to my links. So until then, guys, enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, Stay safe. Wear that mask. Six feet apart. Until then, guys, I will speak to you over the weekend. So, enjoy. Enjoy.